You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. I serve as one of the co-pastors here. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And it feels so good to be in the service today. So I have a question for you all. Have you ever gone home, returned home from maybe college or some other experience and things have changed? Maybe you don't have the same room. Maybe your house has been remodeled. So when I was growing up, my house went through a number of different changes. Well, the front entrance was a front porch, and then it moved to a side entrance, and then we had a garage, and then that was uh, torn down, and then we had a carport. And it went through a lot of changes. But I will tell you that with all the renovations and remodeling projects we did at our home, the love was still there. We still had people that would come and hang out. We had a ton of sleepovers. And we had a number of people that actually lived with us for a period of time, maybe a few months, up to a year. Our home was home to so many people. Last week, our worship pastor, Angela, talked about coming home after the loss of her husband, Pierre, and how raw her feelings were going back home. Our founding pastor, Jonathan, talked last week about rediscovering home after no longer being pastor here and how anxiety-provoking that was and how disorienting that was. There are times when we come home and things have changed. What do you do when you come home and home is not what it used to be? How do you react when you return home and home is no longer what it used to be? Home is no longer homey. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yeah. There's an uncomfortable feeling. And when I arrived at this church last year, I had my commissioning on August 1st, 2021, and Jonathan and I shared, and we did a a tag team sermon. I was so happy, and I was welcomed with so much joy and open arms. But I have to tell you, I walked into a home that had been upended. I walked into a home that was experiencing so much grief. And while it was a joyous time, it was a bit disorienting because, wow, I was excited. And then a number of people were grieving and mourning the loss of their pastor, Jonathan. And I felt like an intruder in a sense 
because this was a sacred place. And me coming in during the time that I did made a number of people feel very uncomfortable. And their home was no longer the home that they knew. Yeah. And I, I arrived to this home at the end of October of last year, so just a few months after Vanita did and after the, the big transition of both um, Jonathan and Kai leaving and just all that, that, that the congregation experienced coming out of a pandemic, right? Um, I think we all wished and longed for, right, coming home to some familiar places and therefore to be some normalcy after a pandemic. And for many of us coming back to church after a pandemic, right, you experienced it as like, oh, this is really disorienting. These aren't the familiar pastors and leaders and faces and experiences I had before. Um, and I don't actually even know a lot of the people that are even in the congregation. Like, this doesn't necessarily always feel like home. And last week, um, when we had a conversation with Jonathan and, and Angela and Renita, they, they, they were sharing and talking about their experiences before I arrived, and how that was, what, that, what that's been like for them to not be a part of this community for Jonathan, but then also what it's been like for Angela and Vanita to be a part of this community as well, too, right? In this space, in this time that's been different than what used to be, um, and in this sort of transitional period. And honestly, I, there are times when folks are sharing things about the history of the church, the last nine years, that I'm like, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't get that. I bet there's so many more layers to that story. Right? Or I'll hear bits and pieces from different people. And I will see some people cry. I will see people get really angry. I will see people not understand and have more questions. And honestly, sometimes it feels weird to be like on the outside, like looking in and being like, I love this place, but there's so much I don't understand about it. I kind of think about the way I think about like when I get together with Austin's family. Um, we're getting married in 14 days. <laughs> yes. Um, no one's counting or anything, but <laughs> so we've been together for almost three years, and whenever, I, you know, we're with the family and we're together, there are things that they share stories that they tell that I don't know, that I'm not privy to. There are relationship dynamics and struggles and tensions that exist in that family with people in the extended family that I don't really know or understand about and don't have hard feelings about, but they do. And I've had to learn to remember that when stories are being told and I sort of feel like I'm like sitting on the outside looking into this thing and don't really understand and I sort of feel like an outsider because I haven't been around as long as Austin and the rest of the family, I had to remember that this is a call to reminder that I'm part of something bigger, right? And the reason that we're getting married with all these friends and family is because it's a reminder to us that this marriage isn't just about the two of us. It's about all those people who got us to that point to be married today on that day. I wish it was today, girl. Um, <laughs> and I think that's a good reminder for us as a community, right? Yeah. To stop and to pause and to think about where we are in all of that. So, okay. Um, <laughs> this is also the first time we've ever co-preached. It's really fun. I love it. But it's also really new. I was just affirming you. Love that. Affirm me. Thank you. <laughs> Um, my, my marriage or the sermon? Okay, both. Yes. Okay. Both. Good, thank you, because I need that. I need that. Um, asking the question of where are you is interesting, right, um, in all of this, because in Genesis chapter 3, there's an interesting question that, that Jesus, uh, like to Jesus, but God asks Adam and Eve in the garden. They're hiding from behind a bush after they've made a decision to do something God told them not to do, and God asks them one simple question. Where are you? Now, God's not stupid. 
God knows exactly where they are. God's actually standing on the side of the bush. Um, God knows exactly where they are. But he's asking them this question, I think, for a profound reason. Because they've estranged themselves from God, right? They have found themselves distant, not near God, not communing with God as they normally would in the, in the night. They found themselves in this place that's on the outside of where they used to be. And God is calling them, I don't think, to ask them, where are you, like, physically? I think God's asking them, like, where are you spiritually? Where are you emotionally? Where are you mentally right now? Because I can sense there's a breach between us. And it's not because anything I've done. I've come to the garden like normal to commune with you. Something's different. It's you. You're hiding this time. They didn't have to do anything, sacrifice anything, be anything, do anything to make God come to them. God just came to them. They are the ones that turned themselves from God, right? And so the question of where are you, I want to ask us this morning that same question, that fundamental question as we come home into this space as Adam and Eve's home was disoriented in the beginning is where are you? Are you hiding? Are you still filled with shame and guilt? Are you deconstructed? So certain of what you don't believe but have absolutely no idea what you do believe. Are you unsure of what God's role is in your life? Are you unsure if you even wanted to come home today? Maybe it's because of the pain that's been caused to you in this community or in another community. Maybe it's because you're afraid and you're, you're concerned what it would look like to trust another church community again. Where are you? What are you bringing? What crossroads are you at today? What are you bringing into this place? The same question that God asked to Adam and Eve, where are you? I think if we answer that, that too can bring us home to God, to self, and to others. So the next chapter, Genesis 4, picks up with Adam and Eve's kids, Cain and Abel. And Cain was jealous of Abel. They were in a dispute. And we pick up at verse 8, where Cain encourages his brother to go out to the field. So here we are. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's keeper? Where is your brother? This is the question that God asked Cain after he and his brother have a fight. And he winds up killing him. And it causes us to reflect today about our siblings. So we're asking ourselves the question as we contemplate today's sermon. Where are you and where is your sibling? Mm -hmm. Are two fundamental questions. This sounds like my mother because my mother would always say, <laughs> charity begins at home and then sheds abroad, right? Mm. And can't you see the greatest commandment linked up in all of this? We are to love God, ourselves, and others. And these brothers, this brother, Cain, killed his brother. And this was a grave sin, to kill someone who is so close to you. It made me think about the sins in our society and the weight of so many issues that we are struggling with today as a community. And it calls for us to ask the question, 
where is your sibling? Where is your sibling when they don't have access to resources like other people do? Where is your sibling when they are not able to earn a living wage? Where is your sibling when they are out there experiencing houselessness? We are to ask ourselves this question, where's your sibling? Under the weight of racism, misogyny, and all the oppression that our society is experiencing today. It is so important for us to reflect and ask the question, where is your sibling? And so I, I want to ask that same question like, and name the elephant in the room that I've had many conversations, and I know Reverend Knight has many conversations with people often who come back home to church on a Sunday, and they look around the room, and they're like, where are my siblings? Where are the people that I used to like, worship and be in small group with and serve alongside? Like, where are these people post-pandemic, post-transition? Right? Like, where are people? And it's hard. It's difficult because reality is, is meeting new people is just exhausting. Right? <laughs> Building friendships and relationships. Austin and I moved here 11 months ago, and like trying to make friends is hard already. Making friends in New York City, oh, <laughs> it is tough. It's difficult. So many friend dates, so many to like find the people that you jive and you connect with, right? It's just, it's hard. And also coming to church and making friends and new connections. And after you had something for so long, and to try to reach across the aisle and meet someone new and make a new connection and put time and investment in, like that's difficult. But also, even more than that, right? Like, being able to come, to come back to church again and trust church people again after you've been hurt, that's tough too. But we can't, in order to be spiritually healthy, we can't just think about it as like, where am I? What do I need spiritually? In order to be truly spiritual and spiritually fed, we must ask the question, where am I and where is my brother, my sister, my sibling? How do they need to be loved and supported as well? I think that sometimes we have to really ask ourselves, what is the role that we're playing in this mutual exchange of church? Like, church is one hand washes the other. It's, it's not a place we just come to consume something or we just tune in and consume something, but it's also a space where we're called to give something. And it doesn't have to be a regular volunteer scheduled thing. It can simply be you choose to get up and to come into a space and to worship. Because you know that there may be someone in church that day that needs a hug from you. And that there's going to be a Sunday when you're going to come to church and you're going to wish and hope that there are people in the room that will provide a hug for you. And there's going to be Sundays when you wake up and you don't feel like coming or you, don't, you, just, you just sort of want to tune in, maybe listen to it more like a podcast for a moment and not engage in, in the life and the community and connection of the church. But reality is, is there someone here that needed you to listen to them talk about how hard their week was or to pray with you or to be in this room, the energy that comes from singing and believing and trusting in something when you're not sure if you believe it anymore, but you walk into a room people who do and they carry you through on their coattails. That's the beauty of church. And I think sometimes we've lost that sense of home during this pandemic, but I think this church also, particularly we have lost a sense of home as we've gone through so much transition. We are a baby church. 10 years is not that long. We don't have endowments to fall back on that have been around for hundreds of years, like many historic churches in this, in this, in this a city, who can survive on 10 people because they've got millions in endowments. <laughs> we are a baby church, and it requires all of us to ask, not just where am I, but where is my sibling? How am I loving them? 
so that when I need to be loved too, that they're there for me. And as we come home um, into this space, you know, we've, as a staff, asked ourselves so many questions, right? And, you know, how do we get people back? What, are we, what can we do to draw people? So right after the pandemic, we only had one service. And before the pandemic, the church was able to have two services, and it was a wonderful experience. And the pandemic hit, we had the one service, and then there was a push for the two services. All right, let's just let's have two services. Why? Because we did it before. Mm -hmm. So we wanted, so we pushed and we said, okay, let's have two services because the reality is, so we thought, you build it and they will come. Nope. You build it and they will come because didn't some architects say that a while ago? Um, so guess what? We built it and the folks didn't come. Okay? So the service <laughs> that was 10 o'clock. <laughs> had just a few people and we realized that and faithful few and we realized that what was happening was we unfortunately had to come to a decision about the reality of the situation people weren't coming at 10 o'clock and there were a few people and the people that were coming were all first timers so now you have all of these people that heard about the church. They looked it up. They're super excited to come. They've seen the YouTubes and the Facebooks and services. And they come and they enter. And no one is here. Well, we have a greeter but, and the staff, but that was pretty much it. Yeah. And this was happening, believe it or not, for a number of weeks. And we talked about it and we came to the conclusion that we would have one service. One service at 11 o'clock. And when the time comes, the Holy Spirit will let us know when it's time. We have certain metrics. We will move to, we will, <laughs> then we will move to two Holy services. Holy Spirit-inspired metrics. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So that's where we were, right? Because the reality is we, we want to be connected and we felt that moving to one service was more important and then because we had a bit more time we decided to move the kinship cafe in person mm -hmm. so those who tune in virtually have the opportunity to um, have a fellowship called kinship cafe right after the live stream so we decided to do it right after church and we sit around in a circle we process together, we talk about the sermon, um, we ask questions, we share comments, and it has become very popular. People are very excited about staying after church and engaging in conversation while the teardown team, you can volunteer for the teardown team, they're, they're tearing down around us while we have our kinship cafe. And it's been a tremendous blessing to be able to shift and adjust when we need it to in our home, yeah. to be able to remodel a bit, yes. to be able to change the look a bit. But guess what? The love is still here. The fellowship is still here. The people are here and they're coming. So many of us grew up in traditions where you had to do X, Y, Z to be in uh, right communion with God. And I know from my um, legalistic Pentecostal background, yes, everything was a sin. Everything was a sin. Um, <laughs> But we don't want our community to be loaded with a lot of obligations, a lot of checklists. Um, however, at the same time, it does require, as a church family, as a church community, our active participation 
right? As we love God, as we love ourselves, and as we love others. This is a mutual exchange, as Reverend Josh talked about, and this helps to define our faith. This is what helps to transform us. And this faith is to foster that uncommon kinship, and that's why our faith is so strong when we have this uncommon kinship and we are called to live authentically and generously. Jesus championed those in need and how edifying and restorative it is when we can live into that as well. Yeah. So deep confession. Um, yeah, brace yourself. <laughs> it's not too much about you, babe. Don't worry. I know you're like, you're always like clutching your pearls. Um, so I... I, I kind of had a very disordered family life. Like home has always been very transient for me, um, whether that was um, with living with my grandmother or because of my dad's alcoholism, being in and out of, of stable housing. Um, but also, like, my mom was a very stable home force for me. My mom and my grandma were, like, people, not necessarily places. And that, a lot of that was because of the very toxic relationship I had at home with my stepfather. And as I've gotten older and done therapy, um, I've learned that I really, really, really take pride in keeping a very orderly home and having it very homey. And the last few weeks of moving uh, to a new place in Crown Heights have been very triggering for Austin and for me, right? Um, it's been really hard because I want to unpack right away. I want home to be home right away and comfortable because I live in a state of anxiety if everything's not perfect because I didn't have a perfect home life. And I've done this for my whole adult life, wherever I've lived, like worked very hard to make home home. So much sometimes to, to a default of, like, of, of harm, right? Like where it's almost like hurting me to, to force it to be perfect. And so I have to like learn to find the balance. And I think many of us in, our faith, in this faith community, like we've been a part of churches, we've been a part of homes where like we've given ourselves too much and we get burned out, right? And so we're, we're as Reverend Renata named, like we don't want you to like kill yourself trying to make things right for all the sins you did on Saturday night by serving big time on Sunday morning. <laughs> Like, right, like, I, I, have I ever, I don't even have ever used the word sin in a sermon before, and like, <laughs> so, like, um, and so it's this, it's this interesting tension, right, about what is it that God's calling us to live into, like, making this place home for those who have not had good home lives in other churches, but also you are a fundamental part about making the, this the home that you never had in other churches. You are called to bring the best parts of this. Austin and I talk a lot about wanting to have a kid one day and like what that means and what that looks like and what our home will be and how different that will be or how same that will be to our experiences uh, or similar that will be to our experiences of our homes. And so we are called as a community yes. to form this community. Those who've been here a long time and those who are brand new to bring the best of both. Those who come from all different faith traditions and backgrounds within the Christian faith as we bring those things, we truly make ourselves the interdenominational faith that God's calling us to usher in. And I believe that God's calling us to actively be a part of that. It's not transactional, it's transformative. Amen. 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 <laughs> when I was in eighth grade, I fell in love with the poem by Robert Frost. Um, it's a very, very old poem. And it's entitled, The Road Not Taken. And I'll read the last stanza for you. It says, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. 
I took the one less traveled by, and that made all the difference. Forefront is so important for us to think about this road less traveled. It is a road that could be conceived as two different churches mm -hmm. under the same name yeah. coming together, the former and the new. And meeting new people and connecting, sometimes it's a bit challenging, right? And we may be asking, where are all those other folks that I used to know? And who are all these new people? And you know, you have to meet new people, but sometimes we hate meeting new people as we shared earlier. Do we have that meme? Ah, okay. No meme? <laughs> all right, fine. But it's hard at times, right? So I am encouraging us to think about the road less traveled. Mm -hmm. Forefront is a special place. It's a special place when your founding pastor can come back and actually share a sermon. Yeah. It's a very, very special place when Folks in the LGBTQIA plus community who are being harmed out on the outside can find a haven and a safe place in a church. In a church. It's a, a special place when a lot of folks who've come from white evangelical spaces can come into a space and say with authority, we are striving and we will be anti-racist. It's a special place. Our name is so important because we are technically at the forefront of a lot of transformative things happening. And we are just encouraging everyone to travel down this road with us. It's not our church. It's not the staff's church. It's not the leadership team's church. It's not the deacon's church. It's not the group leader's church. This is our church. This is our church. And it's so important for us to be invested in everyone at the table, not just the familiar family. Yeah. It's getting harder and harder to sit during this sermon. I know. I want to like pace. We had move. a plan. We said we would sit. We're, we're just, stay <laughs> just stay seated. Um, and so the road less traveled really is us making intentional decisions as a community. It's those who have been on a point in, on the road less traveled who have reconstructed something of their faith, choosing to intentionally make relationships with people who are deconstructing or deconstructed to help them along that road and that journey of their faith. It takes energy, it takes time, it takes intentionality, but it is what we must do to redefine and reclaim Christianity for the next 500 years. Instead of just losing our faith and discarding it during the deconstruction and living in disorder, instead partnering with one another, supporting each other, the old and the new coming together to know and to make commitments to be a part of this faith community in unique ways. Um, I, I, I want to name something that I think is interesting. You know, in this city, a lot of folks um, come and go, right? They, they stay for a time and then they leave. And folks who call this home and have been grounded for a while... Sometimes we get into this, not me because I've only been here 11 months, but you, I'm going to point to you, you get into this, this, this sort of like rut, right, of like, well, this person's not going to be around long, I don't want to invest in them. I don't want to give my energy and time because I don't know how long they're going to be around, or they haven't been around that long, so who knows if they're going to stay, I don't, people start taking bets how long they're going to last. 
And I just want to like, I just want to like name and say this, like whether someone is in your life for a few weeks, a few years, a few months, they matter. And you matter to them and the stamp that you've made in their lives and they've made on your lives. And if we live in a state of only being invested in the people that we think are safe, we'll never get to a safer place as a community. We'll never get to a better place. We must learn to live in the moment for the moment is all we have. And we must learn to love and to see the people who are before us. Cain and Abel, they didn't think they were their brother's keeper. But God reminded them, you are your sibling's keeper. And so church, where are you? Where are you? Check in with yourself. Do your work. And don't just do your work for yourself, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. But do it so that you can be there for your siblings. Because that, that one hand washing the other... That is what's going to form this community. That is what's going to usher in the next 500 years of Christianity. Amen? Amen. Amen. As I was walking to church this morning, um, usually my way of connection with God is song. And there was just a song that was just placed in my spirit. Um, But then I remixed the last line of it and shared it with Reverend Benaita this morning. And we thought this would be how we would end this morning's message. As we think about our church um, and its existence here, it's temporal. And we're investing in one another who are eternal and who follow the eternal one. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name loving savior jesus like the fragrance after the Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.